For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The following is a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And welcome into the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. It is Egg Bowl week, and it is, uh, it's one of the weeks that I look forward to every year. And I'm so excited about this year's game, uh, because it's the next one. Really, I mean... Everybody listening here has an Egg Bowl story of some sort. We'll hear from Robbie Falk, who does as good a job as you'll find covering Mississippi State Athletics. Robbie's a good friend, and and um, we had a great conversation about a lot of things, even not about Mississippi State. But uh, I think reflecting on who we were in some of these crazy Egg Bowl games is a lot of fun. Everybody listening to the show, whether you're an Ole Miss or a State fan, has some family member or friend that roots for the other team, or vice versa. And to me, that's what it's all about, man. Your best friends, except for those two and a half hours every year, three hours that you hate each other. And I love it. I mean, I live for it. I mean, I think it's so much fun. And Jack Crystal and David Kellum are so intertwined in that. And now we've gravitated towards Neil Price, who, my goodness, Neil is so good. And he does does so good uh, with Mississippi State now, but... So many of our memories, you know, David's been doing it since 89. And so you date back to, to previously before Jack. I mean, we weren't born. So, and then after Jack, it's been Neil who's been great. But but so many of us go back to that 97 game, the two-point conversion game with David Kellum. So many people go back to that 99 game to where you had C.J. Ceremones is still open at the 15. And then you fast forward, you've got all the stuff that happened with Dak Prescott and Dan Mullen and Hugh Freeze, you fast forward, and you get, unfortunately, we we only were able to to really enjoy Mike Leach for a couple of years. But my goodness, he was so much fun. He and Lane Kiffin really played well off each other, and now we've got um, Lane Kiffin against uh, Greg Knox, who is sitting as the interim coach because Mississippi State has made a coaching change. But today, I just kind of want to reflect on all of the years past and, and how much fun this Egg Bowl has been. 
In just a little bit, we'll hear some famous radio calls from Jack Crystal. We'll also hear some famous radio calls from David Kellum. And that, to me, is what makes this rivalry so much fun. We're so grateful today to have our sponsors bet online. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, remember, use that promo code Believe B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Remember, bowl games are just coming up. The NFL is getting to the meat of the schedule, and playoffs will be right around the corner. Then the Super Bowl, NBA just cranking up. So, if you really enjoy betting on on, on uh, professional sports, college sports, right now is the time to do it. And bet online, that's the place to do it as well. Better line where the game starts. Debbie Johnson's our real estate agent here on the Believe in Omaha podcast. She can be yours as well. I want to say something real quick. Uh, Debbie is going through some family situations with health. Uh, I'd like to, to ask that you continue to be uh, thinking about her and her family. She, uh, she has a situation in her family where someone is dealing with a very difficult uh, prognosis. And so, uh, Debbie, I just wanted you to know that all of us here – on the Believe in Omaha podcast, everyone that's listening, uh, I encourage you to say a prayer for Debbie Johnson and her family. And, uh, Debbie, I just want to thank you for, you know, obviously sponsoring the show, but I just want to thank you for being just a really good person, always being someone that we can, or at least I can lean on, and uh, we, we share messages from time to time. So uh, just be thinking about Debbie and her family. Uh, Debbie, we'll be thinking about you. Also great for our sponsorship with the College Corner Store and then, of course, the Rogue down in Jackson. So the Egg Bowl right around the corner. I thought Ross Dellinger had a great stat. Uh, since 1996, this this series is dead even. Now, Ole Miss has a pretty substantial lead, but that dates back into the annals of time. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, this is a game of where it's kind of been back and forth, throw the record books out. But, now, you know, this year uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, the, since 19 um, – let's see, 2013 – only one team up until this year had been favored more than 14 points, and that was in 2017 when Mississippi State was favored by 17. On Thursday night, Ole Miss will be favored by 14. So that's the largest spread since 17, and then uh, prior to that, all the way back to 13. So, uh, you know, Ole Miss has definitely got the edge on paper, but uh, like I said, anything can happen, and we'll talk with Robbie about that. Before we do, we want to go back into the histories of time and kind of reflect on, on some of the games that, uh, that were special to us. And I don't think anybody can remember the Egg Bowl without thinking about former Mississippi State announcer Jack Crystal. State is going to gamble all the way. It's 28 to 27. They're going to go for the two-point conversion attempt. Felker calls his play, rolls to the right. Felker gets the block. Felker to the goal line. He's got it. Felker into the end. Bulldogs give it to Norwood, who breaks it inside the 30 to the 25 to the 20. He's racing to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown, Norwood. Unbelievable. There's a flag down in the end zone. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot him. He calls the attempt a 27-yard field goal. I knew Artie was going to make it. And, and he did. He did make it. When I stressed out, I leaped one way, and Barry Weir leaped the other way. We kind of crossed one another, and we missed the football, and we landed looking back, and I said, well, it's over. Uh, I was uh, on the sideline, had my back turned, kind of didn't want to see it, but and everybody's like, turn around and look at it. Waiting for the snap. There it is. It is placed down. There's the kick. It turns. It turns. It is no good. And that ball was held up by the wind, blew it completely to the left of the kicker in the goal post. He was plenty high and plenty long. This is unbelievable. The fake to Mackey. The throw to the end zone is caught. 
Touchdown, Dante Moncrief strikes again. Feed him, feed him. The Rebels extend the lead. The fake to Mackey, looking to throw Wallace, zips into the end zone. He fed him again. Dante Moncrief, touchdown, Ole Miss. Well, once again, just the play action freezes that safety, David. I, I don't know if State's going to decide they're going to cover Moncrief tonight, but that's the third post route, and Moncrief makes them pay. Like, all right, we're going to call Solo Z Drive. Solo was the protection, Z Drive was the play. Uh, when you're you're the, the Z receiver, as I was, you're just running a, a crossing route, trying to beat one-on-one -on -one coverage. I remember I had a guy named Eric Dotson on me. He was a big nose guard. He's about 350 pounds. And uh, I was like, I got, I'm going to have to cut this big joker because <laughs> the ball was going to come right over the middles. Rebels trying to do it here. There's the snap, looking to throw. Back of the end zone. Oh, no, he got it! Corey Peterson! Peterson a yard deep, makes the catch. The Rebels lead 15-14. Kevin Sluter was a, it was a huge defensive end, great player. And I, I didn't really see the angle uh, until, you know, years later. But to see that angle from the back where he comes up, it really, he comes about an inch or two from blocking that ball. Stewart just put it right under his arm, his elbow, and, and I'm sure Kevin probably felt the ball go by. There have been some classic games in this rivalry, and uh, who's to say we don't have a, a one to remember, regardless of what happens on Thursday night. I think Ole Miss wins this game. I think they win it pretty handily. But if you told me something crazy happened on Thursday night, Nothing would surprise me. Let's hear from Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin about his thoughts on the upcoming game against Mississippi State. Um, we're in our short week here, so just trying to maximize the situation that we're in with the schedule. So I think guys have been attentive, but um, a lot of work to do, a lot of unique scheduling um, because they don't have class either. So um, just pushing through. Maybe too early to tell this, but I know you said a lot, you know, having that game at 11 and at home this week compared to last year. Can you sense the difference that this, you know, a couple of days in, uh, that, that that was advantageous? Yeah, I think a lot of things have been different. One, um, we game planned la right or wrong. Uh, we gamed last, game plan last week, which is very unusual week. So, um, you know, to do that in a, another opponent week. And... Um, Obviously, a big difference in your body being done at that time. Our play count was much lower than playing an SEC game on the road. So I would certainly hope they would never set that up scheduling-wise again, where one team's you know playing 11 o'clock non-conference at home, and another one's playing at night on the road in an SEC. So I think that's been beneficial. Um, so I think our, our bodies will be a lot better. Kind of answered a little bit my question right there. We talked about the preliminary preliminary game plan for this one during last week. Is that phase of game plan kind of equivalent to what it would be earlier in the week during a normal week? Yeah, we just got ahead by taking time during last week, um, you know, to look at things as as offensive, defensive, special teams, um, you know, to get ahead knowing this was a short week. Lane, um, do you have to alter your preparation at all when you're going up against a team that recently had a head coaching change like like this one has I, I don't think so I mean when it's a new interim head coach you don't know uh, much about their style or what they do or how they manage a game and you know um, 
not having a history outside of intern for a couple games um, in his career. It's not like you can study that. So it is what it is. Will Rogers isn't statistically having one of his better seasons. He's been hurt and uh, the new offense, but he's had big games uh, against Ole Miss in the past. How do, how do you balance scouting the guy you're seeing this year on tape versus the guy you've seen in person previously? Well, we know the player that he is and how he's pulled out games before and um, thrown for huge numbers in games. Um, in South Carolina this year, they, they threw the ball really well also. So, um, and I'm sure him getting back and having a game under his belt last week, uh, you know, probably will help him. So uh, we're prepared to play a really good quarterback. I'm sure if y'all have crossed paths before, but what do you, what's your familiarity with uh, Greg Knox? Uh, I, d- I don't know him. Um, so I don't have any. Do you know anything about his coaching style, I guess, and, and what kind of takeaways do you have um, from the game you guys watched over the weekend, them playing Southern Miss? Um, I mean, obviously we're looking at scheme in the game and stuff, so I, I don't know that you can see a head coach impact in, in a game um, like that. So, again, I, I don't know him and don't really know much. Question up top. Lena, you've used the term kind of house money before in the past, uh, a few weeks ago before playing Georgia. Do you kind of get the sense that maybe a team with like an interim head coach is kind of playing with house money to an extent? And do you think that could kind of have a weird impact on a game? Uh, definitely. I think that there's some danger in that, um, you know, kind of like a all out factor of, you know, um, we don't know whether this guy's, you know, just our head coach for another game or whether maybe he could be the permanent head coach. So um, I think sometimes um, that doesn't work. And sometimes uh, it works works well because kids kind of just let it go. Usually a coach in these situations, um, you know, usually just bring energy and be creative and try to be more of motivation than X's and O's because it's hard to really change philosophies or X's and O's, you know, in one or two weeks. So a lot of times they usually try to go the motivation route uh, with the players. And this is obviously your fourth Egg Bowl. You've been part of this rivalry for a couple of years now. Has there been anything you've kind of learned about it over the years or does it, I don't know, kind of feel differently? I mean, how does this game kind of compare to the others and what have you learned from it, from participating in it? Yeah, I think I think unlike just a normal rivalry game, learning the Thursday aspect of the scheduling and, um, you know, getting a good plan with that because – um, haven't been a part of a lot of Thursday night games, uh, short week in college football. So <clears throat> I think there's some stuff to that to get used to. And, um, again, the last year's schedule was very bizarre of, you know, <clears throat> playing so late on a Saturday night on the road. So, um, I think there's some of that. And I think too, you know, like some things, you know, you have a different view of it when you lose it. So, you know, we had the trophy here for a couple of years, um, you know, and then lost it last year. So uh, I hope that makes the players you know, even want it back more than just, you know, having it here the whole time. Kind of off topic question here, but I guess Knox drove a four wheeler to the locker room, everything good there, everybody okay after that? Um, I mean, I, I saw that. Um, I thought that was pretty pretty cool. And, you know, you guys know Wilson Love from before, so uh, it reminded me, I remember him 
doing the same thing one time in a summer workout, driving a four-wheeler around to try to get the guys excited. So um, pretty cool. Kind of going off John's question, I know you and Mike Leach, when y'all first came here, kind of played a role in kind of simmering things down when it comes to kind of the rivalry aspect of it from fans' perspective. But just having a couple of these underneath your belt, are you surprised of just how much it means to people in the state of Mississippi, especially with some of the other rivalries that you've been a part of as a coach? Um, no, I mean, I think it's pretty well noted. This is, you know, because of it being on TV so much, I think nationally people understand um, kind of the in-state rivalry and the hatred in it and, um, you know, some crazy events over the years happening in these games. So um, I think I'm pretty, pretty familiar with it. It's very passionate uh, fan bases for this game. I guess being this being your fourth Egg Bowl, um, wh where do you stand on, I guess, kind of managing that passion with, with your players? Is that something that you're going to try to play into? How, how are you going to approach that? No, we just got to prepare really well and, and play really well. Um, and I feel like we've done that, you know, two or three games. And so we don't really build it up and do different things and stuff. And, um, and I don't worry too much about them being too excited for it because um, in this day and age, you know, most of these guys uh, or a lot of the guys in the room, you know, haven't been a part of this rivalry or um, know very much, which sometimes can be good too, you know, not to to be too, to be overexcited and get penalties and um, try to do different things than you normally do. I mean, you know, you talk about nationally how everyone kind of knows about the nastiness of this rivalry, but I mean, how have you kind of noticed your players kind of acknowledge that, like in the locker room? How much kind of of a nastiness have have you noticed it from from the player side of things, especially of the ones in your team that are from Mississippi, where this game means so much? I mean, I really haven't noticed that, um, but again, um, you know, I know that it's in there, and um, but I think they're they just you know, get ready. And this is a weird schedule for them and coming back and doing all the stuff early like this. I think they're just, you know, trying to get used to that. Um, against ULM, how did the offensive line grade out and what can you do if not such a great game can you to fix it? Um, <clears throat> we gave a lot of negative plays um, in that game, um, which doesn't necessarily mean all offensive line. Sometimes that's a back stopping his feet or, you know, a tight end, um, you know, doing something or a quarterback taking a sack. But uh, we, we did not play great by any means um, up front. So we'll continue to look at things and, um, you know, maybe get some help back injury-wise and um, just go from there. That was Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin. Interesting that, uh, you know, he pretty much admitted, by the way, at the end of the Monroe game that Ole Miss was planning for Mississippi State. Now, that's nothing that's out of the ordinary. I mean, normally you would do that. Different uh, this year versus last year as Ole Miss was playing at Arkansas prior to the Egg Bowl on the road, a night game. All of that is kind of flipped uh, this year. Mississippi State last year had a – 11 o'clock game, was able to rest that afternoon. So, uh, much more even playing field this year. And Ole Miss is, is much healthier than it was last year. By the way, Jaden Williams, we learned, as you heard from the press conference there, 
he will be uh, ready to go. So uh, good news on that offensive front. We'll get to Robbie Falk here in just a moment. It's Egg Bowl week, and we could not be more excited. We appreciate you being part of the Believe on Miss podcast, part of the Believe Network. Remember, if you listen to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, thanks for giving us a review. We appreciate that opportunity. And then once again, a grassroots effort. This thing gets uh, distributed so many different places. We could not be more gracious uh, for the fans and for the folks listening. We appreciate it. Here's Robbie Falk of Bulldogs 247, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports, right here on the Believe in Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network, as we talk Mississippi State. show is brought to you in part by bet online our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all of the latest odds news and sports developments for the nba playoffs major league baseball fights and nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs including live betting and the fan favorite vegas casino and poker games it's really easy to get started just head on over to the website use your mobile device and sign up today use our promo code believe 50 b-l-e-a-v 50 and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus in your first deposit but online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Realtor Debbie Aldison Johnson. If you're looking for a spot in the Oxford area or, quite frankly, anywhere in Mississippi, that is your go-to. Remember, real estate industry since 2003, looking for that special ag property, maybe a recreational property, maybe a commercial real estate property, or a new home. Uh, Debbie does a great job and can be your real estate agent today. Just contact her directly at 662-234-5555. Of course, that's a member of the Kessinger Real Estate family, Kessinger realestate.com and debbie has been with them for quite a few years if you need to get her directly just dial her cell phone at 662-689-0090 remember your go-to for real estate whether it be commercial farm or maybe you need that home maybe you need that second home in oxford you're looking maybe to relocate oxford part of the real estate family the kessinger real estate family debbie johnson your realtor 662-234-5555 or call her cell phone at 662-689-0090 debbie johnson and a proud sponsor here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Sisk Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, T-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. If you're looking for the perfect game day outfit for the Grove, look no further than the Rogue in Jackson. Live in Oxford? No problem. Go to therogue.com and shop the collegiate section, and there you'll find Horn legend Peter Millar, the best selection of Rebel game day clothing, celebrating 56 years of business and a sponsor of the Grove Collective. When you're in Jackson, go by the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in the capital city, an extensive collection of sports coats, suits, Shirts from brands like Peter Millar, Tom Beckby, Brax, Jack Victor, Mark Digman, and others. And when you stop by the store in Jackson, and that's where you'll see the best selection of Rebel Game Day clothing. That's the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in Jackson. Go by and tell them that you heard about it on the Believe It On Miss podcast. 
Hi, this is Brad Logan. The Grove Collective's mission is to support, elevate, and protect the well-being of all our student-athletes through a wide range of NIL opportunities and initiatives at Ole Miss. The Collective was established to deliver a best-in-class NIL experience that is worthy of the student-athletes who give their all for Ole Miss. This consolidated and sustainable model provides premium access and experiences between our members, corporate partners, and our athletes. To support all Ole Miss athletes and their NIL platforms, visit thegrovecollective.com. That's the GroveCollective.com. Join our team, become a member today. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. The Believe in Ole Miss podcast, part of the Believe Network. It's Mississippi State Week. It's the Egg Bowl. And who better than to have Robbie Falk, who does a great job covering Mississippi State for Bulldogs 247. Of course, course that's part of the 247 Sports Network. Robbie, I appreciate you jumping on today. Yeah, Brad. Thanks for having me on, man. uh, Before we begin, now, Robbie and I talked a little bit off air. And what people don't understand is, is obviously our relationship goes much more than Mississippi State. And I would like to tell a quick story. So, I do some high school football scoreboard show. And Gavin Gilbert, who also does a lot of stats for East Mississippi, for Mississippi State, for whatever reason, the, the day I came in, uh, you know, Robbie is a, a big part of that program. He covers, I don't know how many schools you cover, Starfall, East Webster, Starfall Academy. Am I missing anybody? Uh, you pour in Chattanooga County. Yeah. So, I mean, he's all over the place for the Starfall Daily News and on top of the 247 sports stuff. So, so anyway, Gavin's like, man, we need to call Robbie because Jason uh, didn't call him last week. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, because Robbie was, was always a big part of the show when I did it. This is the first time I did it this year. Of course, you know, Jason, he does so much with Mississippi State, with women's basketball and all this other stuff he does. And then this, he does some sideline radio with National Network. And so, anyway, I call Robbie and we talk for a few minutes. And anyway, we had a we had a big time. And I think we played it up. I eventually said that Robbie was the inaugural third member of the broadcast team. And uh, so we, we had a lot of fun, and I think it popped Jason pretty good. And I know he doesn't listen to my, to, the, to this show, so uh, we can talk about it. But I, I just had a lot of fun with that. J- Jason, uh, every time he's on the show, I somehow miraculously don't get yeah. on. But I did last week. I think he's gotten the message that, you know, this can't happen again or we're going to be – I'm going to have to pull some strings and get yeah. you in there permanently. Is, uh, is anybody uh, – do you have anybody this weekend? Yeah, we got Starkville and uh, Madison Central. That's right. I forgot Madison Central won. So, what what do you yeah. think? What do you think about that? It's going to be interesting. You know, I I was thinking the other day. Ever since I've been at Starkville Daily, I've I think I've had someone to cover on Thanksgiving week every single year, 
um, which is just kind of remarkable. You know, uh, we've been blessed to have some really good teams yeah. around here, whether it be West Point, which is where we own our Starbucks Daily owns the uh, Daily Times leader. So we try to cover West Point every week. I don't get to see them as much because I have obligations with Starbucks Daily. But, um, you know, I've seen them every year, I think, except for one, maybe, maybe in the state championship, which is just insane. And then Starkville has been to three since I've been here. East Webster's been to one. So we've been blessed on Thanksgiving weekend. We've got to, to keep watching high school football um, and North State championships. And then usually, you know, we end up either in, in Starkville, Hattiesburg or Oxford for state championship, and hopefully we'll get to do that again this year. Yeah, um, I saw actually talked to, um, a, you know, I texted with Glenn Beard who does the play by play for Choctaw County, and uh, Chris Threadgill who who does color. And I talked to Chris yesterday. And I was like, man, what happened? You know, because we all thought it would be um, Choctaw County against Winona uh, on uh, tomorrow, or, or as we're, we're recording, uh, it'll be. Um, Friday night, but anyway, Choctaw loses to Amanda Elsey, and uh, so anyway, that that surprised me a little bit. I thought Choctaw might have a, a chance to win it all. I think they were excited to play in Winona. Well, the way that they lost is what was so brutal. They they were driving down the field with 20 seconds left in a tie ball game. They were inside the 10 yard line and threw yeah. a pick six. Oh my God. Uh, Amanda Elsey won a pick six with Choctaw County. On the about to put points on the board to close the game out, Mandelzi ran it back for a touchdown. It was pretty wild, My but yeah, goodness. that was supposed to be the the North State. Uh, that Choctaw was the was the only team that really gave Winona a true battle this year. It was forty two thirty five. I was really looking forward to that game, but yeah. it's going to be tough to beat Winona this week, and then next week. If it's Winona Knoxby, like I think it could be, yeah. that could be a barn burner. It could be Winona's loaded. Um, texted with Hey Dad yesterday, and uh, they had Kevin Sluter on the uh, the radio show. I caught the end of that, and that was a great interview. And uh, there's a lot going on. It's Egg Bowl week. You know, you and I have talked for years about this game. It's you know dating back. To, I think Ross Dellinger said in 1996, dating back, it's been dead even. Uh, the points have been pretty similar. Uh, obviously, you know, you, we could go back into the annals of time and talk about it, but nobody really cares about that. I think, interestingly enough, it's just it's just been so back and forth. And uh, you guys do a great job on your podcast, Thunder and Lightning. You know, I talked to you a little bit about that. I know it's doing really well. And then you've got your Talking, Do- uh, Talking Dogs podcast as well you do on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, this is a fun week. And, um, you know, I know you say throw out the record books, but really you kind of throw out the record books. Yeah, man. Since they've moved to um... – the teams playing at home, this has been basically dead even. Yeah. You know, that they were in Jackson for a while, and that was, you know, there was the years where Johnny Vault was there. I think Ole Miss won like 17 straight or something. Yeah. And if you look at the overall record book, that's just about the difference in the series right now is the Johnny Vault years. Otherwise, this has been a really even rivalry over the years. And, I think what that speaks to is the other team's success a lot a lot of times elevates the opponent. And that's kind of what you're dealing with here. Mississippi State is seeing the success that Ole Miss is having. They had to make a coaching change. I I 
going to be completely honest with you, I think that the success that Ole Miss is having had a lot to do with that. There, there probably won't be a whole lot of people that will uh, admit that, but let's be real here. This happens like this all the time. I, I'm not sure Matt Luke uh, gets fired that year without the uh, actions in that 2019 Egg Bowl. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a it's a rivalry that brings out the best and the worst a lot of times in, in the two programs and their fan bases. And, um, yeah, you do throw out the record book. I, I'm – I would say Ole Miss has a significant edge coming in this game, and usually when that is the case, the two teams are that far apart, it usually holds chalk. But we've seen so many strange things happen. You, you just never know, man. The uh, the record on Thanksgiving, 16-14-1, uh, Ole Miss holds a slight advantage. But in your opinion, what what is the Mississippi State fan base feeling of playing this thing on Thanksgiving night? It's kind of mixed. So a lot of people like it just for the nostalgia of it because, you know, some of us grew up watching Thanksgiving Egg Bowls. Um, I personally am not a huge fan of it, but, you know, I, I get it. I don't think it really moves the needle one way or the other as far as national recognition like people think it does. Uh, but, you know, it is the only game on television uh, I think at that time, at that night, and it's it's a become kind of a Thanksgiving tradition. So I, I imagine it's going to be something that's going to be pretty prominent moving forward. I would think. I, I think this fan base specifically is kind of torn on it. It's usually attended pretty well in Starkville, so I don't think that's a, a huge problem. But you know, it's 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 not really my cup of tea personally. Yeah, I don't like it either, but that's beside the point. They, they don't ask me. I, I do have a question, though. When we turn on Georgia, Georgia Tech on Saturday, and it's in Atlanta, and the stadium's going to be all red, I have a question for you because this goes to both Ole Miss and Mississippi State fan bases. Why does neither team – neither or either, I don't know if the right word that – why does either team travel to the other stadium? Because State will bring about 5,000 to Oxford – Ole Miss will take about 5,000 family and friends to Starkville, and that's it. Why, why do they not travel? I've, I guess disdain for the other team. Yeah. And, uh, another other place. I mean, it, you talk to some Mississippi State people, they don't want to step foot in Oxford. Yeah. Uh, you talk to some Ole Miss people, it's the same way. And also, you know, there's a lot of people that probably don't want to be around if they lose that game. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's something that's been – that, that's probably been a, a big part of that, too. Uh, you know, I've been going to the Egg Bowl since 97, and I've only missed a couple. Um, and, you know, I just – I as part of my routine on Thanksgiving or whenever it is, I'm going to be at the Egg Bowl. Um, and there's people that are like that. They don't care if it's in Oxford or Starkville. They will be at that ball game no matter what. Uh, but there's also people that – swear up and down, they'll never go to Oxford or Starville. So I think that's probably it. I mean, they just don't – they don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and you'll remember this, but like in 97 and in 98, we had all those crazy, you know, Ole Miss wins on the two-point conversion, State wins on the uh, the Hazelwood kick. I think it's Hazelwood uh, or Westerfield, one of the two. Westerfield. And Westerfield kick. And then you had the kick up in the air when Romero threw the interception. It, there's been some crazy games. If memory serves, though, you know, when 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 this game was in Oxford and this game was in Starfall, it was really well attended back then by the visiting fan base. I mean, they sold their allotment of tickets. They were smattered throughout the crowd. 
it's just dwindled up to nothing. Yeah, it has been like that. I remember first game I ever – first Egg Bowl I ever went to was 97. And um, McCord Peterson got the two-point conversion. Yeah. And I remember a good bit of Ole Miss fans in the stadium that day. Um, Corey Peterson, by the way, married my first cousin. So I see him a good bit every now and then. We always joke about that. He actually gave my dad a picture of that two-point conversion and yeah. wrote on it, always go for two. That's uh, awesome. Great guy, by the way. He's up there in uh, North Mississippi, uh, close to Memphis right now, pharmaceutical sales. He's yeah. a great guy. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I was there in, oh, what year was that? Oh, two, I think, in Oxford. Yeah, oh, two. I was at that one. There was a good bit of state fans there um, to see that game. Ole Miss won that one pretty handily. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's I think it's dwindled a little bit. But that's kind of the case in, even at, at home games for teams. I mean, you just don't see a whole lot of people going to games anymore. Uh, with the television and all that stuff. And on Thanksgiving, I mean, a lot of people just want to stay home and watch the game on TV with their family. What What are some games you remember fondly growing up, uh, going to? Uh, what are some of the crazier games you remember? Maybe some that we don't talk a lot about, but what are some that, uh, that always kind of stick out to you? Yeah, I, I definitely remember those late 90s games. I remember, you know, 97 really well since that was the first game. I remember – getting in the stands and watching that brawl on the field. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that was crazy for me as a kid seeing that. I mean, I'm seven or eight years old, and there's this massive fight. It rained. It, that, was a, that was a wild game. I remember that one well. I remember 99 really well. Uh, we actually left the game early because we thought the game was over. We missed the entire ending of that. C.J. Sermon's touchdown, the interception. We had to listen to that on the radio, so – I still blame my dad for that. Um, I remember, you know, all all of the Eli Manning games. Um, I was at um, the last three of those. Uh, I remember 05, Jarius Norwood having a really big game uh, in that one. I remember 07 really well. And then from there, I remember just about every single game uh, from about 05 on in this Egg Bowl. I mean, they're all memorable in some form or fashion to me. Uh, whether it be you know a drubbing or some memorable moments or how bad it was, they all I can remember all of them pretty fondly for about the last you know nearly twenty years. Every year, I go back and, and look at the old games and 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 and, and kind of relive all of the individual games. I had completely forgotten in 07 that Ole Miss was up fourteen to nothing. Yeah, completely forgot that. Was- that. They they basically I mean it, that game was was not a good game until the fourth quarter yeah um, and Ole Miss had basically dominated it I think um, Shea Hodge had a big touchdown catch um, I remember what the, I can't remember what the other touchdown was but it wasn't until the fourth quarter where things started to switch I think uh, Anthony Dixon had a touchdown that finally broke him through and then you had that fourth down stop that was so big probably cost that order on his job he did going for it on fourth down and you know you get the tie ball game on Derek Pegues punt return that was really memorable and then um uh Adam Carlson comes in there and kicks the 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 game winning field goal that game turned really good really fast and for the first three quarters it was pretty rough to be honest with you I want to go back to the 99 game you talked about how you were there uh, I remember that one very, very clearly, and it just—I've never felt in my life 
momentum shift any more than inside Davis Wade that night. Uh, what what was going through your dad's mind? You think to to, to leave that game or I'd love to hear the story. It was a lot like that um, 07 game that State just was not doing anything. Ole Miss was controlling the ball game. There was no juice. And I think my dad was just like, yeah, let's let's get out of here. It's, you know, the game's over. And then all of a sudden, C.J. Sermon's wide open. Wayne Mackin had driven the ball right down the field. And Sermon's has the big touchdown run on the touchdown catch and run. And everything just shifted in the t- in the entire stadium. And just like Ed Orgeron went forward on fourth down, and that uh, was a pivotal moment of the game, deciding to come out there and throw the football instead of going to overtime, that might have been a bad decision there. I think the score was 20-6 to six when y'all left, right? I can't remember exactly when we left, but it was – Because the throw know, to Sermon's – the throw to ceremonies got it from twenty to six to twenty to thirteen. Then Romero throws the pick six. It's twenty twenty. Um, State holds Ole Miss, and then they kick the field goal to win it twenty three. Well, the the interception set up the field goal. So that's the right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. tied okay. it. Okay, you're right. Romero comes out there. They th- they're throwing the ball down the field. It gets kicked in the air. It's picked off, and uh, they get pushed out of bounds. Scott Westerfield comes in and kicks yeah. the field goal and wins the game. That's that's how it played out. And I we were listening to that on the road back. We got to hear Jack Crystal call that instead of actually watching it. I still kicked myself. But I did enjoy hearing Jack Crystal call that, that. It was a pretty wild ending. Yeah, that leads into my next question. And I'm just a huge radio SEC guy. You know, when I was in Georgia, I was able to um speak to some people that knew Larry Munson and, and I got to to talk to, to Scott Howard. I, I just love SEC radio, uh, I know that was one of your favorites. Any other favorite calls from Jack that you can uh, you can remember? Uh, that I've heard, you know, a lot of a lot of games I was there. One of my favorites was when Jarius Norwood had that touchdown run against Florida in two thousand four. Yeah, and the team was just so dreadful that year, and Florida came in ranked. Stated loss to Maine a few weeks earlier. It was just a bad team. And they just kept hanging around and hanging around. They were in the game and in position in the fourth quarter. Jairus Norwood breaks off a long run and scores it to win, basically win the ball game. And they threw a flag. <laughs> um, and Jack Crystal said, if they call excessive celebration on this, I'm going to shoot them. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. And I – I had a lot of times back then, I listened to every game on the radio. And a lot of times back then, which I was not at this game, I'd given up on going to games at that point. I, if I did watch the game, if we if we were able to see them on television, I would turn the radio on uh, to listen to it as well. So I was listening to that and had the game on mute as Jerry's Norwood's running into the end zone and heard Jack say that. I just died out laughing. Yeah. That was one of the funniest things I've ever heard on the radio. Yeah, he was a uh, boy. He was a gem, and uh, he's someone that we always remember fondly. Let's take a look at this team, uh, Mississippi State this year. Uh, the team that Ole Miss is facing, obviously, they moved on from their head coach Zach Arnett in the middle of the season. First time, Robbie, I think that's ever happened in Mississippi State history that a coach is removed uh, during the season. And uh, Greg Knox, who's the winningest coach in Mississippi State history, I believe, at two and zero, having having an opportunity to go to three and zero. So. But uh, what do you think about the, the game coming into Saturday? I know you, uh, Thursday. I know you talked about the Ole Miss. Obviously, uh, probably has a, a better team at this point. But but tell us a little bit about this Bulldog team so far. 
Well, they just got a lot of issues offensively, and, and the scheme has been really tough for this group to adjust to coming from the air raid. And, uh, you know, we should have uh, put more emphasis on that, I think, in the off season when we talked about it. But I really thought that the personnel that they had would be able to adjust to it, and they just have not. And, uh, you know, the play calling has been rough. I think losing Will Rogers hurt. Although, you know, he has not been a really good fit for this offense. He's the best guy that they got. So I think losing him for a few weeks really hurt. I think with Will Rogers, I really do believe they would have had a shot against Auburn. They would have had a shot against Kentucky. And that probably changes – you somehow win those two games. That changes the whole trajectory of the season and of Zach Arnett's career here. So, um, you know, losing him – was was uh, really tough, and I, I think that's that's the one of the biggest problems is this offense this year, and the defense has not been particularly good either. Uh, I think up front they've really struggled; they haven't really had the push that they've had in the past, and they've had some injuries there too that's hurt, and also in the back end, the secondary just have not covered very well. So I think it's just a multitude of things, and it's all just just really kind of come to a head and uh, been a rough season for Mississippi State. But I do think they have a little bit of a jolt of energy coming in this ball game with Greg Knox, and we'll see if that translates to anything. I, I just think it's going to be tough for State to consistently stop Ole Miss and to also score a, a good bit. And looking at the, the game on Thursday night, how does Mississippi State win this game, in your opinion? If if we talked Friday morning and it was 28-24, a state win, or, or 38-31, a state win, how, how do you think that happened? Well, I think they're going to have to score in other ways other than offensively. I think they're going to have to have a special team score somewhere, maybe a pick six or a scoop and score defensively. you got to steal points somewhere, I think. you got to take away a, position, a possession from Ole Miss because I think they're going to be able to score points. <clears throat> and you're going to have to play really clean football on the offensive side. No turnovers, uh, very few penalties. They've struggled with some penalties this year. They're going to have to play clean, and they're going to have to grab uh, some hidden points somewhere. They're going to have to steal some uh, from special teams, I think. Yeah, before we let you go, I know there's uh, there's a coaching search going on, and uh, – you know, you won't find a, a bigger proponent for an AD than, than Zach Selman, uh, at least from my perspective. I think he's, he's he's really, really smart. He's got a great pedigree. And from what I understand, he's got a lot of contacts, including Bob Stoops and so many people throughout the college football world. Uh, not necessarily candidates, but, you know, what do you kind of think on this coaching search? I think more or less um, what, what people are, are interested in is what do you think the timetable is on this thing? I think this is going to be done fairly quickly. I think it's – kind of nearing its end as we speak. I would expect that shortly after the Egg Bowl, if, if not this weekend, early next week, they should have somebody in place. They've had um, some some pretty good interest in it. This is a, a job in the SEC that's going to be able to pay fairly well, and I think they've been able to pick the interest of some uh, a few Power 5 guys, but I would be a little surprised if they were able to pull um, a really good power five coach. I just think that's going to be tough. That's really tough to do in the SEC, but I I'm thinking um, it's going to be a sitting head coach. 
I would be a little surprised if it was an assistant. I think Zach Selman is, is valuing somebody that has experience, somebody that has run his own program and had success doing it. Uh, I have no doubt that Jamie Chadwell was at the top, if not the top choice on the board, and I believe he's been interested in the job at least um, somewhat. I just don't know if they're going to be able to work that out financially with what he's being given at Liberty and the opportunity to have success there and, and turn that into an even bigger job in Mississippi State. That's going to be a tough pull, but I think they've they've uh, worked on him a little bit. It's uh, it, it's a really important hire for Zach Selman. I think he needs to nail this. I think he needs to get somebody that's going to bring some stability to Mississippi State that could be here for a few years, build his program, and have Mississippi State have uh, a more consistent – program than they've had you know the last couple of years so you know we'll see what happens with it it's, it's big for Zach Selman who is a guy that I don't think is a long-term AD at Mississippi State I think his his goals and his aspirations are going to be beyond Mississippi State and I don't say that to uh, diminish uh, the university here I just I think he's a guy that eventually wants to get back home to Oklahoma and possibly be the uh, you know the guy I'm waiting there but to do that, he's got to make some big-time hires, and this is a big-time hire. I agree. And uh, once again, I you will not find anybody that, that thinks more about Zach Selman than me. I think he was a great hire by Dr. Keenum, and uh, I expect the hire to be a really good one for Mississippi State. Real quick before I let you go, I've got one more thing. Chris Jans, my goodness, this basketball team is really good. And Tulu Smith's not even playing. I saw that um, you know, the hump has gotten some renovations we're about to see the hump start to get uh, pretty electric from in regards to men's basketball now. I think so. I think people are really excited about this team. Chris Jans was a guy that was Mississippi State's top choice, uh, if not one B, and I, they they were able to to nail it in that hire last year. And everybody was really excited about it when it happened. And then he came in and had a great start non conference play. They, they hit a little bit of a lull there last year, but I think people kind of understood where things were trending with this team. They played great defense. The offense was really lacking. He went out in the offseason and did a great job filling their needs offensively. And Josh Hubbard has been a huge addition. Yeah, Trey Ford coming out of junior college has been great. These guys have really helped turn this team into a more balanced team and not just a defensive team that's going to muddy things up they can score and I think when you get Tolu Smith back I mean this is going to be a uh, a nightmare matchup for a lot of teams because of what they can do defensively and now they can hit shots so I do think the hump is going to get pretty electric this year especially when SEC play hits I think you'll start seeing it even Friday they should have a decent crowd Friday for that game and uh the you know the following non-conference games the more more you win man people love a winner yeah there's no doubt and especially when your football team's struggling you know they're going to turn to whatever's winning yeah and uh i remember watching hubbard in high school and thinking man that guy can play and, and watching him the other night uh even solidify that he's even better than i thought so mississippi state uh, definitely got something rolling in basketball he's robbie falk does a great job covering mississippi state uh, for the state fans listening, if you do not listen to the Thunder and Lightning podcast with me and Brian Hayden, you need to go ahead and download that podcast and start listening to it. It's great. Also, check Robbie, of course, at Bulldogs 247. And, uh, of course, 
course, he's got Talking Dogs, his personal podcast he does on YouTube. Robbie, thanks very much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. show on apple podcasts google play or wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe rate and leave a review online be sure and check us out on twitter at brad logan c-o-t-e and at believe podcasts as well as facebook brad logan media from the vault to the pavilion to swayze field it's all old miss all the time this has been the believe in old miss podcast a presentation of the believe podcast network thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.